We are a citizen organized, a citizen run, a citizen funded initiative. We don't have a single large donor. We're doing this all on our own, almost exclusively by volunteers. We want to start a national dialogue. COVID-19 pandemic has been a unprecedented event as far as Canada and the countries in the world are concerned. The fact that in Canada people are still afraid. It has not been disclosed uh, to the general public the contents of the uh, material. So in that moment, she framed every unvaccinated person, including her guest on the show, as a danger to public safety. And What's interesting also is that nobody can name a single real-world vaccine success story where COVID rates went down at a nursing home or a funeral home after the vax rollout. You're in a cancer clinic and you feel abused by everybody because they didn't want to know you. They wanted to know your mask. They wanted to make personal contact with your mask and that was the horror of it. How did we get to this point? A nation that is afraid to let its people judge the truth and falsehood in an open market is a nation that is afraid of its people. That's still where we are in this nation, Canada, because no government, no authority wants to inquire into its handling or mishandling of the last three years response to COVID-19. Hello, everyone. My name is Michelle LaDuke-Catlin, and I am the spokesperson for the National Citizens Inquiry. I want to welcome all of you here to this historic event. First, I'd like to welcome the media. I'd like to welcome our four independent commissioners. I'd like to welcome Mr. Chess Crosby, the NCI administrator. And I would especially like to welcome all of you, the citizens of Canada and people watching from around the world. So before we begin and get into the meat of this conference, I'd like to start by explaining the format for today's event. So for those of you who are new to the National Citizens Inquiry, I'm going to review a little bit about who we are and how we got here. Then I will introduce our four commissioners who will be presenting an interim report today. Then we will have a word from our administrator, Mr. Chess Crosby. Then we will take questions from the media and then I will direct you as to where you can go to follow up on this information. So I'm going to start with a little bit of background about the NCI. The National Citizens Inquiry was created by a small group of citizens who wanted to have some basic answers to unprecedented policies that were put in place in response to COVID-19. We began with a very simple mandate to listen, to learn, and to recommend. We asked the questions, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? What could we do better? So this is an entirely citizen-run, citizen-led, citizen-funded initiative that has grown into a huge movement of thousands of volunteers across the country. We started on one end of the country doing hearings in eight cities, three days of hearings in each of those cities, not knowing how we were going to make it across the country with funding coming in from individual donors. So we are not government funded. We have no large sponsors. This was an initiative created by the citizens of Canada. 
During that process, we heard testimony from over 300 witnesses, both expert witnesses and lay witnesses. We heard the stories of ordinary Canadians across the country. And I encourage you to go to the National Citizens Inquiry website and watch this testimony. It is definitely worth your time. We have over 200 hours of testimony and it was the Herculean task of our commissioners to go through all of that testimony and put together a report. Well, we've been waiting four months as they put together this huge report. It's not yet completed. However, with the recent government announcement that a new Moderna shot will be has been approved, they felt that it was urgent to release this one piece of uh, the report. We're calling it the interim report. And just to give you a little bit of context before I introduce the commissioners, I will just review that the two main pieces of testimony that we heard from were from Mr. Sean Buckley, who is a constitutional lawyer with nearly 30 years of experience with a particular focus on Health Canada and drug regulations. The second piece was from Ms. Uh, Deanna McLeod, who's the founder of an independent medical research firm that prepares evidence-based reviews. So today they are presenting that piece of the report. Before I hand it over to them, I'm going to introduce you to each of them. So I'll just wait for them to come up on the screen. I'm going to start with Heather DiGregorio. She is a tax lawyer and senior partner at an Alberta law firm. Mr. Bernard Massy, Dr. Mer excuse me, Dr. Bernard Massy, a retired biotechnologist in Quebec. Janice Kekonen, an Ontario school trustee who works with vulnerable populations. And finally, our chair of the commissioners, Ken Drysdale, a professional engineer from Manitoba. So I will hand this over now to Ken. Good afternoon, everybody. In February 2023, the appointment of the commissioners marked the commencement of a vital journey across Canada. Over the course of two and a half months, the commissioners embarked on a series of three-day hearings held in eight different cities across this great nation. Throughout these hearings, a remarkable tapestry of voices emerged as the commissioners had the privilege of listening to approximately 300 witnesses. These witnesses who came forward with courage and conviction included everyday Canadians whose lives were profoundly impacted by the actions taken during the pandemic by our governments. Among these witnesses were brave mothers and fathers, devoted grandparents, caring brothers and sisters, loving husbands and wives, and cherished sons and daughters. Their diverse perspective offered a rich mosaic of experiences that they have shaped the narrative of our investigation. In addition to these courageous individuals, we had the privilege of hearing from world-renowned experts spanning a multitude of fields. Their insights and expertise have further enriched our understanding of the complex challenges we face as a nation during these trying times. It is worth noting that our hearings did not include testimony from any government agency involved with implementing the pandemic measures. Non-judicial subpoenas were sent out to 63 members of government, regulators and authorities, and none agreed to attend and testify. For the past four months since the conclusion of the live hearings, the commissioners have diligently worked to distill this wealth of testimony into a comprehensive investigative report 
This report not only presents the testimony in its raw and unfiltered form, but also offers specific recommendations born from insights shared by Canadians from coast to coast. Today, we stand before you ready to share a portion of our findings that are most pertinent to the current events affecting our nation and the world. Our commitment to transparency and accountability remains steadfast, and we believe it is crucial to bring forth this information to the public's attention. In recent weeks, our world has witnessed a series of significant developments that have reshaped the landscape of our ongoing battle against the COVID-19 pandemic measures. The commissioners overseeing our comprehensive investigation have carefully considered the implications of these events, and we deemed it imperative to release a portion of our overall investigative report, a section that is particularly relevant to the current state of affairs in Canada and the world. Just days ago, the FDA in the United States took a critical step by granting approval to new COVID-19 vaccines, raising eyebrows due to the apparent absence of completed clinical testing. What's striking is that this new vaccine seemed to have gained approval primarily on the strength of prior authorizations granted for COVID-19 vaccines. In tandem, the CDC swiftly followed suit endorsing the use of these new vaccines for individuals as young as six months of age. These decisions have ignited discussions and prompted questions about the robustness of the regulatory process, particularly in the face of the evolving landscape of the pandemic. Furthermore, Health Canada has also recently greenlit a new COVID-19 vaccine produced by Moderna, and it seems that this approval followed a similar path as those in the United States. Interestingly, Moderna has also announced the construction of a new mRNA vaccine production facility in Montreal, and it is reported that they expect to produce 100 million doses of mRNA vaccine in 2024. In conjunction with these developments, Dr. Theresa Tam, Canada's Chief Public Health Officer, held a press conference where she and her staff were seen wearing masks, rekindling discussion about public masking. These developments combined with the considerable evidence presented to our commission had led us, led us to believe that it is the utmost importance to inform the public about the original authorization process for the existing COVID-19 vaccines. The government's reliance on the same authorization process for the new vaccine underscores the critical need for transparency and clarity regarding how these decisions were initially made. The release of this portion of our investigative report seems to seeks to shed light on the approval process and provide insights into the concerns and recommendations arising from our comprehensive examination. In these times of uncertainty and rapid changes, it is essential for the public to have a clear understanding of the basis upon which medical interventions are authorized and for regulatory agencies to maintain the highest standards of safety and efficacy. We look forward to discussing these pressing issues and providing clarity on the authorization process for COVID-19 vaccines. This information, information was presented in this release highlights concerns about the process through which these vaccines were granted approval and raises important questions about the safety and efficacy of these vaccines. This is a matter of great public interest and it demands our attention. 
The traditional process for approving new drugs in Canada is outlined in Division 8 of Canada's Food and Drug Regulations, and it demands rigorous evidence of both safety and efficacy. It follows a sequence of safety. It follows a sequence where safety is established first, followed by efficacy, and then a risk-benefit analysis. This process is fundamental to ensuring that Canadians are not exposed to unknown risks when it comes to medical interventions. However, what we have learned is that the Canadian government did not adhere to this conventional evaluation and endorsement process when authorizing COVID-19 vaccines. Instead, a new process was established where Health Canada authorized these vaccines under an interim order, which later became a permanent regulation. Under this alternative authorization process, the necessity to objectively establish the safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines appears to have been set aside. The significance of this cannot be overstated. Objectively and independently proving the safety and efficacy of a new drug before its introduction into the market is a cornerstone of responsible health care and public safety. It is crucial to instill trust among healthcare professionals and the public, and to ensure that medical interventions are based on the most accurate and reliable information available. In the context of a global health crisis, these principles are vital to ensuring that public health measures are not only effective, but also respectful of individuals' rights and dignity. This stringent approach becomes even more important when a drug is intended for widespread use across all segments of the population, including children and pregnant women. The authorization of COVID-19 vaccines in Canada followed the interim order, which required a subjective assessment of whether the benefits outweighed the risks with the consideration of the, quote, urgent public health need, end quote. This subjective approach, rather than the objective proof, has raised concerns about the rigorousness of the authorization process. It is essential to note that the authorization of COVID-19 vaccines under this subjective test essentially guaranteed their approval, given the high stakes involved and the pressure to secure vaccines for Canadians. This situation created a potential conflict of interest as the government, which had purchased and imported these vaccines, also had the responsibility for authorizing them. Furthermore, the interim order present, prevented the Minister of Health from revoking authorization, even if evidence emerged suggesting that the vaccines were unsafe or ineffective. This lack of flexibility raised additional concerns about the protection of the public. The timing of the interim order, just ahead of the vaccine authorization application, also raises questions about whether pharmaceutical companies knew in advance what the authorization requirements would be. Additionally, testimony highlighted potential conflict of interest and biases within the teams responsible for conducting and reporting the trial data submitted to Health Canada, raising concerns about the transparency and objectivity of the testing process. In conclusion, this information underscores the need for a thorough investigation into the authorization process for COVID-19 vaccines in Canada. 
This is imperative to ensure that safety, efficacy, and transparency are not compromised when making decisions that impact public health. We have made the following recommendations. One, rescind the newly implemented revisions to the food and drug regulations related to COVID-19 vaccine authorization, as they permanently exempt these vaccines from the requirements to objectively prove safety and efficacy. Two, immediately halt the current use of COVID-19 vaccines in Canada that were authorized under the revised provisions of the interim order and the newly revised food and drug regulations. Three, conduct a full judicial investigation into the authorization process of COVID-19 vaccinations in Canada with the possibility of addressing any criminal liability that might be found. Four, make all documentation concerning the authorization process and information provided to regulatory agencies by the manufacturers publicly available. These recommendations are critical to restoring public trust in the vaccine authorization process and ensuring the safety and well-being of all Canadians. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you very much, Ken. Thank you very much, Commissioners. That was very sobering. We're going to now have a word from the National Citizens Inquiry Administrator, Mr. Chess Crosby. Thank you, Michelle. Fellow Canadians, if you're like me, you'll be shocked to learn that Health Canada has never decided that the COVID vaccines are safe and effective. My name is Chess Crosby, and I'm a longtime lawyer and former official leader of the opposition in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I'm administrator of the National Citizens Inquiry. I speak to you in a matter of great importance for the continued survival of the Canada we love. No government in Canada wants to do an inquiry into their management or mismanagement of the response to COVID. So a group of dedicated, freedom-loving Canadians from all walks of life decided to hold a citizen-led and citizen-funded inquiry to give you a voice and a chance to hold accountable governments that prefer to be unaccountable. Since concluding cross-country hearings in May, the National Citizens Inquiry Commissioners have been greatly troubled by a fact established beyond doubt on the face of the exceptional laws which the Government of Canada rushed to market the COVID vaccines. The Drug Safety Regulator Health Canada has not applied the traditional objective test for safety and effectiveness to the COVID vaccines and has not determined that they are safe and effective. The safe and effective slogan that you have heard repeated over and over by politicians and health officials is nothing but a marketing pitch. The statement on the Health Canada website that the COVID vaccines are proven safe and effective is a lie. Politicians lied, officials lied, and the regulator Canadians trusted to protect them has been corrupted. Like me, many of you have been duped into taking undue risk with your health and safety. In the words of the commissioners, the COVID-19 vaccines are neither safe nor effective. 
Don't take my word for it. Go to nationalcitizensinquiry.ca and verify for yourself why the commissioners say neither safe nor effective in their report and in their national press conference today, September 14. Tell your friends and loved ones, neither safe nor effective. Spread the news on social media, neither safe nor effective. If you have talk radio open line shows like I do in this province, call in. Neither safe nor effective. Pick three witness testimonies at random and watch them. Your life will be changed. Write your member of parliament and provincial representative and demand they inform themselves about Health Canada's dereliction of duty and ask questions in the House. Print out the pages of the portion of the report, neither safe nor effective, that the commissioners have released and give it to elected representatives or send them the link. They respond to pressure. As a former legislator, I should know. Print the pamphlet, This is Canada, which you can find at nationalcitizensinquiry.ca and hand it around in your neighborhood. And don't let the lying government the fake health experts, and the corrupt media press your fear button. As a great president of a great nation to the south of us once said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. If we recognize their fear campaign as the instrument of mind control that it is, the truth and Canada will once again be a beacon of liberty in the world and a country we can be proud of. Because... We fought to make it so. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chess Crosby. We're now going to take questions from the media. I'm going to ask you to keep your questions brief, limit yourselves to one question with one possible follow-up. So I'm just waiting to hear who is up first. So first we have Trish Wood. Trish, please uh, take the floor and ask your question. Trish, you are up. Go ahead and ask your question. Yes. Uh, hi there. I'm so glad you're doing this. I do have a question and I guess my question, in a sense, is um, made more pointed today by by the announcement that was made uh, in Ottawa just a couple of days ago that we should be jabbing our children as young as six months old with a new shot that, um, as I understand it, was never tested on kids. And I'm just wondering how your report would view that today and how whatever recommendations you're you're going to make about that kind of behavior would have affected this decision by them. I just don't get it. I mean, I, as you know, used to be a science reporter and, and uh, we used to hold to account the government on issues of pharmaceutical products being safe and effective. And it seems like that's not happening anymore. So I'm just, I'm just wondering how you people, given all the time you've spent on this would, would address this. We are, we, are significant, we are certainly looking into this right now. That's going to be part of the final report. We're not in a position right now to discuss those findings yet. Um, 
because we haven't finalized that section of the report. But I assure you, the report is um, addresses a wide variety of different topics and issues, and we make uh, recommendations on all of them. Thank you. Trish, do you have a follow-up while we wait for the next uh, question? Yeah, yeah, well, I do, actually. Um, I guess the other thing that happened was the issue around masks, and, and there was quite an interesting uh, bit of um, video released from CNN of Tony Fauci being interviewed by the Cochrane, about the Cochrane study, which is pretty declarative in its condemnation of masks as not being effective. I'm just wondering, in your final report, will you be dealing with those issues too? And is it, I guess in a sense, is it a significant issue given that masks um, were sort of the worst of what people were dealing with during the COVID times of the last couple of years? I can assure you that we're looking into all of that. The report is uh, I can't quite remember what the what the count is right now. Without appendices, is over a thousand pages long. Um, we have looked. We have split the recommendations up into various areas, uh, such as um, uh, health, uh, civil liberties, social impacts, economic impacts, and under each one of those sections, we do go into all of those issues, including masking. Thank and what, what do you hope is going to happen as a result of, of the report? Have you thought about that? What are you looking for, if anything, besides documenting proof or evidence, I should say? Heather, do you want to take that one? So as commissioners, our role isn't to use the report or have something happen to the report. Um, our role is to record uh, the testimony of Canadians, report on the testimony of Canadians, and make it available for Canadians to then use um, as they see fit and to pursue uh, the purposes that um, that they see coming out of our recommendations. We are making an extensive list of recommendations uh, that we hope will be taken quite seriously. Uh, but as commissioners, our role was to uh, produce the report um, for uh, Canadians for posterity and for use by those who are able to um, use it in whatever they want to take it forward to. And, and what's the timing of it going to be and how can people get it? How, how, how will it be? So we're going to address that a little bit later. Um, I'm going to have to move on to the next question. Thank you so much, Trish. Happy to do it. Thank you. Okay, next we have Rick Frain from Caravan to Midnight. Rick, please go ahead and ask your question. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I just want to uh, thank you for having me and uh, thank Dr. Tam for introducing us all. My question is in terms of conveying the situation to people who are, let's say, less than informed, who are worshiping continually at the altar of mainstream media. And um, I, I would just, I like to uh, speak to people in the context that we've, we took more time to try thalidomide than we emergency use um, medications. And for those who can't see how many shows are 
etc. Just uh, like the same reasoning that big tobacco was allowed to prevail and to quash any type of criticism during the 50s, 60s, 70s, and into the 80s. So for those who don't quite understand, I just want to underscore what Mr. Crosby said, that we all have access to um, public airwaves through call-in shows. And it doesn't take very long to slip in the nationalcitizensinquiry.ca. In fact, somebody did it yesterday on a Toronto show, and I think it uh, helped put the word out. So my next question is, um, how can we package this to get it off in a condensed version so that the program directors in our major media outlets will have no excuse whenever the day may come uh, to say that oh, I didn't know about the National Citizens Inquiry? Um, that question uh, with regard to um, uh, distributing it, I guess, and packaging up is uh, not not within the purview of the commissioners. However, I can tell you that we have set up the report in different volumes and there is a section that goes through and examines the evidence, examines, uh, discusses uh, what happened, has conclusions and makes recommendations and, and that's quite an extensive section. But in order to simplify that, we've also added another section which simply lists the recommendations. So someone who wants to just take a look at the recommendations and perhaps just have discussions on implementation can go directly to that section of the report and, uh, and not have to go through the long um, process of reviewing testimony and whatnot. So that's what we as commissioners did in order to simplify that so people could actually pluck out areas of interest to them in, a, in short order and try to understand what the recommendations were. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ken. Thank you, Rick, for that question. Next up, we have Sherry Strong from Children's Health Defense. Sherry, go ahead and ask your question. Thank you, and thanks for all you are all doing. The question I have is similar to Rick. We have this national media that seems to be dominating people's thoughts and um, driving their, you know, programming. My question is, is there, are there plans to develop like a coalition task force of different organizations, many of the media here and organizations that have arisen as a result of the mandates? to reach people in their homes, grassroots, you know, to actually reach people where the media um, is actually controlling them to take them out of that programming and, and help them actually see what's actually going on. Uh, once again, that's more a question for the administration of the commission as opposed to the commissioners. You know, our task was to hear the evidence, distill the evidence and produce the report and then I know that the commission is working on several different um, methods to disseminate that information. And I don't know if uh, Michelle is able to uh, address that better than I. Thank you. So I, I wanted to save this for the end, but since it's being asked, I will, I will address it now. From the beginning, people have been asking, what are you going to do with this report? What are you going to do? Is it going to have any teeth? And I really, from the beginning, have said, we want to put it back to you. 
what are you going to do with this report? This is an unprecedented organization, an unprecedented process. We are building a new muscle in democracy here. We, are, we have created this mechanism for gathering evidence with sworn testimony led by lawyers in the most official way we possibly can, but there is no legal binding way for us to implement this. So this is really going to be like everything else that's happened with the NCI, something that is up to the citizens of Canada. So I put it back to all of you. What are you going to do with this? We need to get this word out and it's going to be up to each and every one of us to share this report, to ensure that the media pays attention, that the government pays attention. So I hope that answers your question. We thank you very much, Sherry. We next have Jason Levine from The Levine Show. Please go ahead and ask your question. Hello, thank you very much to all the commissioners. I really appreciate all the hard work. One of the uh, things that you mentioned there was criminal, possible criminal activity, possible charges. Can you let us know some of the circumstances that led to you uh, bringing up that particular term and what may be criminal about this? I think that's a question that I can turn over to uh, Heather, our commissioner lawyer. Uh, Heather, do you, can you answer that question? Well, by including the word criminal, we did not intend to imply that there has been uh, criminal um, activity. Uh, merely that our recommendations don't preclude that an invest proper investigation into the actions of the approving uh, the COVID-19 vaccines um, could have involved that. And so we're just, we're, we're saying that it is open to it. We're not recommending any changes to the law in respect of that. If, if any is discovered, uh, which would be through a, a proper criminal investigation, that would be dealt with under criminal law. Jason, did you have a follow-up question while we wait for the next question? Yes, I do have a follow-up. Uh, would you recommend or potentially uh, encourage people to take a closer look at that and maybe uh, establish maybe some private prosecutions and bring this forward from a public standpoint? So one of our recommendations is to um, conduct a judicial investigation into the authorization process. Uh, I don't think we have, um, well, I know we have not made the recommendation for individuals to pursue such prosecutions. Um, so that's not something that we would be recommending. Thank you, Heather. I'm just waiting on the next. Okay, here we go. Uh, Vlad Tepes, I apologize if I am uh, pronounce, mispronouncing your name from the Rare Foundation. Please Rare go ahead and ask your question. Thank you very much. Uh, Vlad for Rare Foundation USA. Um, I noticed that the it's either the NIH or the CDC just granted uh, an emergency use authorization um, for the new flavor of the mRNA injection without actually any kind of emergency taking place. And my question is, although I've watched these press conferences in Canada, I'm trying to make sense of it, I do recognize that the various guidelines and rules and regulations that represents the grout of our civilization has been massively eroded. But what I would like to know is, is there an equivalent in terms of what's happened here in Canada? Was there an emergency use um, authorization granted for the newest flavor of, and what is the nature of the emergency? Or is there any direct real legal correlation between some state of emergency 
and the authorization of this experimental gene therapy. Thank you. The process in Canada is significantly different than in the United States. They don't have emergency youth authorizations in Canada. We had an interim authorization that was temporary. What they did following that temporary interim, uh, interim authorization is they codified or they inserted the uh, exceptions for COVID-19 vaccines into the permanent regulation. And there was no requirement that I'm aware of, and maybe Heather can speak to this as well. Uh, I'm not aware of a permanent um, requirement in that regulation for an emergency situation in order to use those new permanent exemptions to the COVID-19 vaccines. Heather, have you um, got anything else to add to that? Sure, yeah, so you're entirely correct in your description of the authorization process. The original interim order under which the authorizations were made essentially required the minister, meaning Health Canada, to take into account um, the urgent public health need uh, relating to COVID-19 when determining whether to authorize the vaccines. The uh, interim order has been, as Ken just mentioned, uh, codified into regulation, and the urgent part of the public need is no longer present. So under the new approval, which is now a regulation, uh, there only needs to be uh, consideration of the public need related to COVID-19. I think there's another section of that that's important to note, and that is with regard to the CDC uh, approval. The CDC also admits that vaccination is a risk factor uh, uh, in contracting the new variant of COVID-19. It also has authorized it for children, young people, six months of age, when they do not show any increased risk of severe COVID. Um, so there is a number of issues there that are um, uh, interesting. Uh, it also uh, is important to uh, discuss that Pfizer and Moderna have both um, admitted in their fact sheets that this new COVID vaccine has serious adverse effects and that possible side effects are still being studied. So it's interesting that we've gone through emergency authorization when there is no longer an emergency. And in Canada, they've actually even removed that requirement for an urgent need or emergency in order to authorize them. Thank you. Thank you very much for your questions. Our last question comes from Ted Koontz from Vaccine Choice Canada. Go ahead, Ted, please ask your question. Well, thanks, Michelle. Um, my question is to the commissioners. Um, I, I appreciate the acknowledgement that you've brought forward that these, these uh, medical products were never proven objectively to be safe and effective. Uh, I have a further concern, though, is that what we witnessed uh, with the COVID rollout of the vaccines was was the violation of the fundamental medical ethic of informed consent. And in this country, you know, we, we hold uh, that informed consent is, is, is fundamental and foundational to a, an ethic, ethical medical uh, system. And it would seem that that was completely violated uh, during the last three years. And I was particularly interested in your use of the language of criminal because when I look at uh, the violations uh, of ethics uh, under medical codes, uh, if a, a medical practitioner doesn't secure informed consent, 
they could be uh, liable of assault and battery. And so I'm wondering if you've taken those uh, that serious violation into consideration in, in your report and recommendations. Absolutely. Uh, we have an entire section with regard to medical ethics. We actually examine, um, there was a lot of uh, testimony with regard to that. We've gone through and examined some of the College of Physicians and Surgeons um, requirements, including the requirements for informed consent. Uh, we have done a significant amount of research on that. We have a wide variety of recommendations that we're still working on on that. So rest assured that we are examining that in a profound uh, manner. Dr. Massey, do you want to add to that? Yeah, what I can add to that is that uh, it's a very, I would say, fine balance to strike between ethics and, and, and law, if you want. Uh, the main issue here is that, according to the Hippocrates oath from a doctor, they should, at all times, do no harm. If you are proposing to your patient or administering to your patient something that you are unaware of potential harm, this is something that raises all kinds of issues with respect to are you, first of all, as a physician, properly informed? And if you're not informed at the right level, how can you actually convey this information to your patient that relies on your expertise in order to, to see better, to, to get a better understanding? And as we've seen during the commission, there was a number of cases where it was pretty obvious that the list of potential side effects in the little package that you can find in some of these vaccines was blank. There was no, there was no indication whatsoever. So you don't know what you are administering. And another factor that was examined during the commission is the quality issue of the vaccine lot that seems to be extremely variable for a number of reasons. One has to do with the challenge of properly manufacturing the vaccine. And I would say the lack of stringent quality control that normally is oversight by regulatory agency, and in this case, in the States or in Europe and in Canada, it was not done as diligently as one would expect in order to make sure that every time you inject a product, it's the same product. And there's been a number of indications that, in fact, every time you get a shot of this injection, there could be significant variation with unknown consequences. Just to put a, 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 a point on that, we have examined that question in a number of different ways. We've examined it from a perspective of medical ethics, and we've examined it from the point of view of social impacts, and we've examined it from the perspective of regulations and, um, and laws in place. And of course, that is a bit of a challenge because it does vary from province to province. So. Trust me, there's a lot coming on on that. There's several sections, and we've done a deep dive into it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, all the members of the media, for your questions. 
Thank you for participating. For everyone else, um, if you're interested in seeing a repeat of this press conference, you can go to nationalcitizensinquiry.ca. There will be a recording of it. In addition, you will be able to download this interim report. I also recommend that you watch the testimony um, upon which this interim report is based because there, I, I've been watching some of the comments in the chat and there's two things that strike me. One is that there's still so much hostility between Canadians, so much division, and it's time that we put those opinions aside and started looking at the facts. The testimony, which I have seen, is based, in fact, in the government's own documents. So I encourage each and every one of you to go watch the testimony of Sean Buckley, watch Deanna McLeod. This is not an opinion piece. Decide for yourself. Don't take our word for it. Don't take the commissioner's word for it. Go watch the testimony. When you go to nationalcitizensinquiry.ca slash testimony, you're going to see a couple of things. You're going to see an opportunity to watch every single piece of testimony. You also have an opportunity to download flyers and share them with people. We've been asking people to share the This Is Canada campaign, where we ask you to pick any three pieces of testimony. Watch it randomly. Then watch a full day of testimony. Decide for yourself. Don't just dismiss what's being said. We have moved beyond that time. It's time for us to come together, look at the evidence, and make sure that this report gets out and is read by everyone. So the conclusion of the interim report by the independent commissioners for the National Citizens Inquiry is that the COVID-19 products known as vaccines are neither safe nor effective. As I said, you can download a portion of this. And in addition, if you want to see the full report come out sooner, please go to our website and volunteer. I am sure that there are tasks that need to be fulfilled. We need all hands on deck to get this information out to the public. Finally, I want to say that uh, I'm grateful to you for participating in this historic event for the National Citizens Inquiry. I'm Michelle Leduc-Catlin. The world is watching.